I'm excited that you have joined us today, whether you're here in the room or you're online this morning, because we get to talk about Jesus. And more than talk about Jesus, uh, my hope is that we get to actually experience Jesus. Our, uh, our vision statement is we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love, and we believe that his unconditional love is actually found in a person, the person of Jesus. And, and we don't do this just for ourselves, but we hope that, th- that his unconditional love, that Jesus is something that we share, someone that we share with others as well. Uh, it's why we gather. It's why we meet in small groups. It's why we serve in the community is because we want everyone to experience Jesus. We want people to accept Jesus and what he has to offer. And so I'm excited to be able to talk about him some more this morning, and, and my prayer again is that we will experience him, experience him today. I, I, have you ever bought something that came incomplete? Have you ever bought anything that came incomplete? So we, uh, we purchased, uh, a, a couple months ago, we bought this gazebo that's out here in this courtyard, and fortunately, the person that was putting this together for us actually looked at the instructions ahead of time and, and did kind of an inventory of the parts before we started to put it together and discovered that we were missing two pieces of that gazebo. They, they were two important pieces. If it was me that was putting it together, I probably would have started and we would have had this weird shape thing that just would have sat for a while while we waited for the parts to come in. But we couldn't finish the gazebo without those parts or... Or maybe you bake something or cook something, you left out an ingredient. Um, I had a, a child, and I won't name which one, who decided that they were going to, they wanted to bake cookies uh, for the first time. And these cookies came out, and they, they looked like cookies, um, which is always, always a good thing. But I, I took a bite of the cookie. Have you ever put something in your mouth that like just sucked all the moisture out of your mouth? Like, that was the effect of that cookie. It's kind of like seltzer water. Can somebody explain seltzer water? How can something wet make you more thirsty when you drink it? I, I just we found out later after kind of looking through the recipe with this person that uh, baking powder got left out. And who knew such a small, like, tablespoon of one ingredient can make such a huge difference in cookies. And unfortunately, there are a bunch of incomplete views of Jesus if you were to ask your friends or family, maybe you would get one of these incomplete views of who he is. Or maybe you yourself this morning, you've come here and you don't quite understand who he is. Or maybe you've been taught Jesus a certain way. Or more likely, maybe you've seen people who claim to follow Jesus to live out a certain way that seems inconsistent. So you have this incomplete view of who he is. And it's so important for us, to follow, when we're following Jesus, to have this complete picture of who he is. That's why we're in this series, this I Am series, because it's not about what we think or who we think Jesus is. This is who Jesus says he is through these different I Am statements, who he claims to be. And, and the I Am statement that we're going to look at today really, to me, is a summary of all of the different statements that we've looked at. It's kind of the capstone of of who Jesus is. It's a complete picture into who 
Jesus says he is. But before we get into the text this morning, and by the way, we're going to be in John chapter 14. If you want to turn uh, in your Bibles, if you have those today, or if you want to look through that on your phone um, and follow along, it will be on the screen here in a second. But I want to set this text up so we understand what's happening uh, before Jesus says these words. There's this conversation that's taking place among his closest followers because Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's about to happen. We're about 48 hours before Jesus will be crucified on the cross. And he tells them that he's about to go to a place that they can't follow him. And they're super confused by this. Why is it that you're going to go to this place that we can't follow you? He's talking about the fact that he's going to go to the cross. And and Peter, who's typically the one of the close followers that loves to speak up, basically says, you know what, I will... I will die for you. And, and Jesus says, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. It's in this context. So Jesus is sharing the fact that he is going to be going to a place that they can't follow. He's just dropped this bomb on Peter that actually, Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he says these words in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let me, let me just stop there. I think it is so cool. I mean, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows the suffering that he's going to do, the physical suffering that he's going to do on the cross. He knows that he's about to take all of the sins of the world. He who knew no sin is about to become sin. He knows all of this is about to happen. And where is his concern? On on those that he's with. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That's the framework for what she's going to share. He wants these closest followers to understand who he is. Believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that that were not so, I would have told, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. And then Thomas, man, every time Thomas opens his his mouth in Scripture, it's always like, wow. So Thomas says, I, you know, I can relate, I can relate. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He still thinks he's talking about like, You know, he's going, like, on a trip or something. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wants them to know that he has come for something much bigger than just freeing them from the oppression of Rome. Because that's why they thought he has come, is he's come to be the Savior for Rome. They believed that he was the Christ. They believed that he was the Messiah. But they thought that he was delivering them from the oppression of Rome. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm here for so much more. I'm actually here to bring you home. You see, Jesus says that he is the way. Verse 2 of John chapter 14, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? 
Now, growing up, I had a little bit different translation of this. And the translation that I grew up with actually said, in my father's house there are many mansions. How many of you heard that translation before? It's okay to put your hands up if you heard that. So, so what I took as a, as a little kid, I thought, wow, Jesus is going to heaven and he's going to build me a mansion. You know, and, and he's like the fixer-upper dude up in heaven and he's building these mansions and a mansion for you and a mansion for you and a mansion for you. But that's not really what this says. It says in my father's house there are many rooms and which for his followers they would have understood this because in that first century of Jewish culture what would happen is there were multi-generational families living together and so in a father's home what they would do is when one of their children would get married they would just add a room to the house and they would live in their father's house and if there were several children they would have multiple rooms and those families would just live together Sounds interesting, right? But that's what Jesus is saying here. In my Father's house there are many rooms. These already exist. And, and I'm going to prepare. And so Jesus isn't spending his time right now you know, doing home decoration and home renovation. But what he's saying is when he says that he's going to prepare a place for us, Jesus is talking about the cross. His broken body and his shed blood that we, just, that we just celebrated, of what he's done for us on the cross, would build a bridge across the chasm that we ourselves could never, never cross. This chasm of sin and death and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection paved a way for us to be able to be reconciled with God. That's the way that he's talking about here. And anybody who would accept Jesus would be able to come back to God, would be able to find their way home. Jesus just doesn't point the way. He is the way. I believe that inside of us, we all long for home. And, and that may be a bad metaphor for some people who grew up in a home that wasn't the best or your current situation isn't the best, and the idea of home is just kind of like it's off-putting to you. But I believe that there is some longing that's inside of us for a place that God originally, originally designed for us to live. A place that we can be fully known and fully loved. A place where we can experience peace and rest. That's the kind of home that Jesus is talking about, and Jesus says, I am the way home. Jesus also says that he is the truth. In the movie uh, Couples Retreat, Vince Vaughn's character is out snorkeling, and they're chumming the water so they're able to watch the, 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 the fish species come, and and the chum bucket actually gets knocked in, and there's these lemon sharks that kind of start circling them. And so he makes a beeline for the boat, and afraid that he's going to get eaten by a lemon shark, which is a very small shark, but doesn't eat people. And as he's crawling onto the boat, you know, in this really panicked mode, you know, he's just 
glad to be alive. And so later that night at dinner, he's sitting at dinner with his, these friends that he's come with, and, and he's got his foot propped up on the table, leg propped up on the table because he suffered this shark bite, as he calls it. And he peels off the bandage, and it's just like this little itty-bitty nick that he has in his leg, and his friends begin to make fun of him and just say, you know what, you probably actually got that, not from a shark bite, but actually when you scrambled onto the boat. And Vince Vaughn says this line, he says, I know my truth. We live in an I know my truth culture. We live in a culture that is extremely relativistic, that we define what truth is. Truth is your perception, it's your situation, it's your opinion, it's your belief system. And we treat truth like a change of clothes or, or like, like a favorite restaurant. Whatever makes us feel right or makes us happy, that's what truth is. And here, here's the danger of that. Here, here is where this gets so messed up. Because when you have truth that is just defined by your own experience, or you have truth that's defined by your own happiness or your own expression, it's, you are so easily manipulated. We are so easily manipulated because we have no anchor point for our truth. And so all kinds of things take advantage of this, right? Especially today. News takes advantage of this. They know that truth is relative. And so whatever appeals most, that's what gets reported. Whatever leads, leads. And, and even tailored towards whatever you read. Because even on social media, the algorithms are, are tailored in such a way that it continues to feed your belief, your opinions, your perspective, and you just get more and more affirmed in whatever that is. And how easily when truth is just our own perception of what, re what is real, how easily we get manipulated. And I think that's a lot of where we find ourselves today is just easily manipulated. The, the other thing that happens is when truth is not anchored to anything, it just kind of like, it crashes so easy. We crash so easy. It's kind of like, if you've ever gone to the beach and you watch kids build sandcastles and they always want to go where the wet sand is, and they build these castles made of sand close to the water, and what happens with the ocean? There are tides, right? They come in and they wipe out the castles, and I think that's what happens oftentimes with us is... is our truth, our perception of truth is kind of like a sandcastle right by the water. And as the waves come in, when the challenges come, when the difficulties come, when the trials come, and they will come, it just wipes out, wipes us out. We need something different. Randy Alcorn put it this way. He said, Jesus didn't say he would show us the truth or teach us the truth or model the truth. He is the truth. Truth personified. He is the source of all truth, the embodiment of truth, and therefore the reference point for evaluating all truth claims. You see, Jesus embodies reality. He is the way things really are. And, and that is so good. That is so good. That is such good news. 
And here are the two, here are the two illustrations I want to make with this. One, I think, I, I think of an anchor. I love the fact that Rhode Island's, uh, Rhode I- the image that represents Rhode Island is an anchor. And, and the theme is hope. Because what an anchor represents, when you're out on the ocean and you are being tossed by every turn or you're being pushed into to be about crash into the shoreline, the anchor is what, what secures you to keep you from just being completely devastated. And I think that's what Jesus is for us. He's like an anchor for us. That we can be tossed by all of the ways. We can you know, almost face peril, almost, almost hit the shore, and Jesus anchors us because he is the truth. I think the other image that this points out is Jesus, with Jesus being the truth, is he's like the lens. He's what, how we see the world. We see the world through the perspective of who Jesus is. He becomes how we view everything. And not just our own experience, not just our own perception, not just the way we think it should be or want it to be. You see, truth does not lie. Now that's profound. Truth does not lie. And because Jesus is the truth, we can trust him and we can follow him. And we can listen to him and we can obey him because we know that he is the truth. He is good. And ultimately, following Jesus brings us freedom. We can't change the truth, but the truth definitely can change us. And Jesus is the truth that allows us to discover the freedom of home. And and Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, He says, Jesus is the life. I am the life. Because of Jesus' death on our because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we are now reconciled back into a relationship with God. And we are reconnected to that source of life that is God. And unfortunately, we overlook this. We skip on to the fact that heaven is where this ultimately leads, and it does, but we get so focused on the eternal life part of it that we forget that there is a life that we get to experience now with God, that we are reconnected to the source of life, this life that Jesus gives us. We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago, or last week even, John 10, 10b, where he says, the reason that Jesus has come, I have come that they, that us, that we can have life and have it to the full. This life that Jesus gives us is, is this abundant life, this life, and the word that the Jewish people would use is shalom. It, it's the idea that God brings things back to the way he originally intended to be when we live within the truth of who Jesus is, when we follow him, when we obey him, we get to begin to experience this shalom life that Jesus had orig- as God has originally designed it. That we have this peace, this unbelievable peace with God. It's a life that we get to spend with God now. It's not a promise of life without hardship. It's not a promise of life without loss. It's not a promise of life without trouble. Because we still live in a world that is broken with sin. We live in this tension of the not yet, of the now and the not yet. We still live in this tension of the of the now and the not yet. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, for now, speaking of now, for now we see 
we only see a reflection in a mirror. We, we don't see quite how it's supposed to be. We don't experience quite how it's supposed to be. But then, but then in eternity, we will see face to face. We'll be face to face with God, with Jesus. Now I only know in part. We only see a glimpse of things. We only see part of things. We don't see the full picture. There are still mysteries that we still don't know. But then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. It's that tension between the now and the not yet. And then there's this beautiful picture in Revelation that John writes about what the, the not yet looks like. And this is, this is cool. Revelation 21, verse 3 and 4, it says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now, the voice from the throne is God. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the cool part. He will wipe, God himself will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of ways has passed away that's the not yet Jesus is the life and it's supposed to be lived now and in the future with the father at home I, I don't think Jesus does anything and I don't think Jesus says anything by accident I think there's a purpose behind the order in which he shares these things, that he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And Jesus is the way because through his death and resurrection, he builds the bridge to a restored relationship with God, and we just, all we need to do is accept him as our Lord and our Savior. And once we've accepted him, he becomes how we view everything. All truth comes from him. He shows us how to live and calls us to follow him so we can experience this true freedom. And, and he is the life because Jesus has given us a pathway back to God and, and reveals the truth about how we are designed to live. We can experience the life God gives us and we can experience as it was meant to be. But it matters where we start. It has to start with what Jesus has done for us. And the reason why Jesus had to do it is because we're all broken. We're all sinners. Talked about this last week. We are all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We need Jesus. We need what he has done for us on the cross. It has to start there because if it starts with truth, what happens is if it starts with truth, then it becomes legalism. It becomes rules without a relationship. It, it can become self-righteousness because I'm just doing this in, in hopes that maybe I'll earn or I'll be better than. It, it starts with life. It becomes all about us and our pursuit of happiness. It, it becomes the idea that God is there to make us healthy, wealthy, and successful has to start with what Jesus has done for us because of the fact that we are broken. And it's only because Jesus has provided the way 
And here's the last point. Jesus is not just the way. Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, he doubles down on what he just says. No one, no one. That, in the Greek, that means nobody. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you mean to say, do you really believe that the only people who accept Jesus experience this life? Yes. Because this is what Jesus says. Not me. This is what Jesus says. You know, we can't just pick and choose which parts of Jesus we like and what we don't like. We, we can't reject the things that make us uncomfortable or that offend us. We have to accept him completely as he is. And, and sometimes I think that we get hung up on the exclusivity of this claim. There's got to be other ways, right? There's got to be other paths. Let me refocus that a little bit. It's not so much the exclusivity that I think that we should get hung, hung up on. I think it's the fact that, it, it, to me, it's exciting and it's, it's clarifying because it gives us clarity as to what is the right way. Have you ever pulled up to a building and you're not sure which way is the entrance? It's got several doors, or it's not really clear where you're supposed to go in, and you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know, not even sure if it's open. What this claim says is it makes it very, very clear that Jesus is the way. What we're doing here is not a religion. You see, religion is the way people try to earn the right standing with some sort of God or some sort of deity. And religions are exhausting. Religions bring uncertainty because you just never know, am I quite measuring up? And religions bind you up. And, and this is what makes Jesus and the gospel so unique and so different. It, it's God making the way for us to be reconciled with him. It's all about God providing us a way home. Jesus wants us to see him completely, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Maybe this is the first time you've ever seen Jesus completely. Maybe your view of Jesus has been skewed in some way, and maybe you didn't have a full understanding. Man, I would love to talk to you more about who Jesus is and help you understand how cool this message is, how awesome, how hope-filled this is, how life-bringing, how freeing this is to know that Jesus is the way. Or, or maybe you guys have, maybe we have family or friends that have this incomplete picture, and and my hope is that this framework would serve as a way that you could begin to talk about who Jesus is, that he's the way, that he's the truth, and that he's the life. It doesn't just depend on Dustin, it doesn't just depend on me, it's, it's an opportunity that all of us are given to be able to share who Jesus is. And the fact that God wants us 
come home. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome. You are so good. And I thank you so much for Jesus, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Father, thank you for reconciling and providing a way back to you. And thank you for the life that we are able to live because of what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.